watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. You're listening to A Pirate's Life for Me on the Sports Objective. Join us every Friday at noon as we catch up with a member of Pirate Nation. Here's your host, Bubba Rosenbaum. What is going on, Pirate Nation? Welcome into another edition of A Pirate's Life for Me here on the Sports Objective podcast channel. And, uh, you know, this time, a week from now, the Pirates will be in the big house taking on the Michigan Wolverines. But uh, right now, very excited to be joined live from Teach's Hole uh, down on the Outer Banks near Ocracoke, and that is Tom Earnhardt. Tom, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Hey, Bubba, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, we've talked about this for some time, finally making it happen. But, uh, you know, I, I know uh, you attended Greenville Rose High School. So, you know, just tell us about your, your childhood, you know, when you became a Pirate fan and, you know, and, and, how, and how you grew to love ECU. Well, uh, as you mentioned, Bob, I grew up in Greenville from age two on to graduating from Greenville Rose. Um Grew up a Pirate fan. My parents used to take me to to Ficklin Stadium and then later to Dowdy Ficklin. But we were we were members of the Porthole Gang, uh, where your folks could take you into the football stadium and drop you off and leave you. And you you got to enjoy the football game from a kid's perspective. You got to be there when the team came on, when the team left. Even and. On occasion, you got lucky and you got a jersey or a chin strap or a sweat band. And uh, I think I still have all that stuff. I actually have an Eddie Hicks jersey. One of the old tearaways. But, nice. Uh, my dad took me uh, to see Terry Bradshaw play the Pirates. Uh, I forget what you, what school he went to. but was, Louisiana Tech. Louisiana yep. La, La, La Tech. Yeah, I got to see Terry Bradshaw play uh, in Ficklin. I got to see Leon Spinks in Ficklin at a halftime when Leon Spinks had just won the Golden Gloves. He, I don't think he was heavyweight champion yet, but lots of lots of childhood memories of uh, growing up. You know, in Greenville, you just grow up a pirate. If you don't, then you, you need to move on out of Greenville and get out. Probably leave North Carolina altogether if you don't grow up a pirate. <laughs> so you talk about getting that Eddie Hicks jersey. You know, are are your earliest memories of uh, East Carolina football from the Pat Dye era or, or uh, Sonny? Yeah, Randy? well, uh, you know, sadly we lost uh, Pat's uh, son Brett just a few weeks ago. I grew up with Brett. We were buddies. Uh, we were buddies in grade school and into St. Peter's. Catholic school for for a number of years, uh, but yeah, we I grew up uh, in the Pat Dye era and used to spend the night at Pat Dye's house. Yeah, um, we've had Pat Dye Jr. on the show um, back a couple years ago. Um, I guess it was not too long after his his dad had passed away, and that that was an honor and. Really enjoyed taking a trip down memory lane uh, with Pat Dye Jr. Um, of course, he and his dad had come to that 2014 game when the Pirates defeated 
the North Carolina Tar Heels 70 to 41 at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Um, and that was obviously an excellent evening. Um, you know, but, um, you know, you think about those Pat Dye years, you know, here on the podcast, um, although he hasn't been on in a while, but uh, Terry Gallagher, you know, receiver on those teams that di- didn't throw the ball a whole lot. But, uh, you know, in addition to Eddie Hicks, you know, what you mentioned, some other names. Uh, but uh, what what are some of those memories that you have of that Pat Dye era when the Pirates were winning, oh, you know, uh, not well, nine Leander, games on a consistent basis? Leander Green jumps out of my jumps out of my jumps out of my head. Um, I, I just remember watching Leander Green play quarterback and how shifty and fast he was in that uh, that wing tee or wishbone that that, that uh, Dye liked to run. But uh, I'm trying to think. There's a there's so many names, Bubba. They just kind of all fit. They kind of all fit together. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but I'm sure you recall back. Uh, it's crazy to think that in December it will have been five years. But it was right there when Mike Houston was getting hired as East Carolina's head coach. And um, in December of 2018, we had that. 40th anniversary um, party for the 1978 Independence Bowl champions. Yep. We had Pat Dye on the phone. Uh, coach Houston showed up to Professor O'Cool's as it was then um, in the Big Lot Shopping Center there in Greenville and hopped on the phone and, and had a conversation with Pat Dye. And, and, you know, that was that was pretty special. Yeah, I mean, Bubba, as, as you, know, you know, when you grow up, when you grow up, with pirate blood pumping through you, all these things, you know, you just get those, you get those special times and you bump into people. Heck, on the way out here to the Outer Banks, uh, got one of the ferry attendants, walked up to my car window and he said, what year? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was looking at my shirt and, uh, I looked up at him and he says, have you struck anybody out lately like you did me? And I looked up at him and I said, Sonny. And uh, it was a a buddy of mine that played uh, back when I was growing up. A lot of kids from Washington would come over to Greenville to play Little League, Prep League, and Babe Ruth just to get more exposure. And, uh, yeah, me and Sonny had grown up knowing each other and went to ECU. He graduated a few years ahead of me, but um, yeah, I've known I've known you. You bump into you bump into pirate friends everywhere you go. No doubt, so I mean, pirate nation um, seems to be everywhere. Uh, like like you're saying, I was up in Connecticut, uh, New York, Massachusetts this summer. Uh, my son Riley and I went up to check out a Yankees game uh, with Matt Semenza. And then also we went to Fenway park and saw the Red Sox play the A's, but at each venue uh, at at each ballpark, I had someone say, uh, Hey, go pirates, ECU uh, and make multiple comments. Yeah. If only, if only all those people would uh, get on the phone and fix this conference realignment thing for us. Yeah. And, uh, Seems like we're loved by many, but uh, supported by few. Yeah, cer- certainly been heavily discussed and down down through the years on conference expansion. 
you know, it, it seems like when, when we've had our excellent seasons, it hasn't been when realignment has been occurring uh, or, you know, it's been just after, you know, you think back to the 91 season, that was like a year or two too late. Uh, you had Dave Hart say, hey, if this would have happened in 89 or 90, we'd have been in the Big East. And um, when we got into Conference USA, we had been in the old Liberty Bowl Alliance, which was made up of several of those teams that formed Conference USA. And Conference USA was created. And then East Carolina you know, didn't get in initially, if I recall correctly. And then when we did get in, it was as a football only member. Yep. And and then I lived, I, you know, brother, the funny the funny thing is I lived right through Battle Emory and I were classmates at Rose High School. And uh, you know, I had every intention of staying home, finishing Rose High School and staying home and uh going to ECU and and um you know, there was a coaching change the summer before my senior year. Uh, and Ed Emery was was dismissed, and Art Baker was hired, and all the plans in the world at that point changed. <laughs> I ended up at High Point College. Uh, spent a lot of time majoring in fraternity, and uh, working working at Gold's Gym in High Point for a for a pirate. Uh, Robbie Bryson, and uh, so I, I spent several years, uh, five years in High Point, then uh, trying to figure out a way to get back to East Carolina and get back home to Greenville and join the Army. And believe it or not, you find Pirate Nation all over in the Army, especially when you're deploying back and forth to uh, the Middle East. You know, I, I've, I've watched probably 30, 40 pirate games on AFN or on the computer uh, through a satellite connection just so we could see a pirate game. Yes, yeah, certainly wasn't nearly as easy to, to follow the pirates back then as it is in today's world uh, with the ESPN Plus coverage and everything streaming. But um, – kind of working in reverse a bit before we talk about your East Carolina years there uh, when it was moving from Ed Emery into to Art Baker. Um, and even though you weren't there at the time, I guess you were in high point and did want to touch on the Ed Emery years and because there were certainly a few good seasons in there in, in his uh, five seasons at the helm. But um, – Well, you had Henry Williams and Terry Long – yeah, I mean, grow, you know, when you grow up in Greenville and you you, you grow up a pirate, you know, I, I was at Jobby's Gym, the same guy I mentioned earlier that owned the Gold's Gym in, in High Point. He used to own Jobby's Gym down on Evans Street. And Terry Long would come in for extra workouts in Jobby's. And we, we all got, we all knew him. It was, it was, it, they, you know, the ball, the football team and, for that matter, even the baseball and basketball team, they were parts of your family. You saw them everywhere. Right. Very close-knit is um, Pirate Nation in the, the ECU community. And uh, actually where I was going with this is 
with you attending Greenville Rose, the legendary Ronald Vincent, better known as RV. And so, so much success on the diamond, um, leading that leading that Rose Rampant baseball program. But um, you know, even though that's not directly East Carolina related, um, oh, I I, I, I know um, back we, we ran into the RV at the basketball game last season, and uh, yep. you, you of course went and chatted with him during halftime. So uh, you talk about uh, what it meant to play for such a legend and, you know, what RV means to you. Well, um, my only regret is that I was not a better baseball player. Uh, but I, some of, you know, some of my fondest memories of growing up in Greenville were spent around RV and, and, and around that baseball team. And well, I mean, Saturday practice at Guy Smith Stadium and every afternoon at Guy Smith Stadium. I even remember Battle Emory hitting a hitting a line drive up the batting cage right straight back at me. Put me in the put me in the emergency dental chair. Made my lips blow up like Donald Duck. But uh, I took I took that line drive up right up right right in the face. Simply because it was too windy that day, and we uh, we moved the we moved the pitching screen out of the way to hold the net keep the net from blowing in. But uh, yeah, um, you know, you it's it's just it's it's pirate it's it's a pirate community. Uh, we all you know, all of us that grew up there. We we remember fondly, you know, going back, you know, going to the stadium. Walking, walking in and seeing each other, and uh, it was. It, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I, uh, I, I think back on those days very, very fondly. Art Baker's first season was in '85, um, so that, you know, that was my graduation year. Okay, so what are your memories of that '83 season uh, that was so memorable? Uh, when the Pirates went eight and three, the three losses were te- teams ranked in the the top five or so at their place. Yeah. Uh, the the big three in in the state of Florida, and, and you know, unfortunately, Bubba, that's what that's the that's the memory that sticks out the most is three games by what I think ten or eleven points total. Yeah, it was yeah forty seven to forty six to Florida State in the season opener, and then um, you had the you had the twelve seven. Loss, I believe it was at Miami, and then twenty four seventeen at uh, at the Swamp. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it was. It was a handful of points, and the whole season could have been different. But it was. It was a special season. I mean, I think we won seven games that year. Um, we were, you know, everywhere we went, people were paying attention. Yeah, especially Columbia, Missouri. Uh, you know. The staff there, that's something we've discussed with Norman Quick uh, and other members of that 83 team that we've had on the show down through the years, and that was how they had the buttons that said, where in the hell is East Carolina? And then, of course, (laughs) Ed Emery went to the press conference following the the game and that victory by by ECU in Columbia that day and said, I guess they know now. Yep. I'll tell you, you know what? We we got off on a tangent there, Bubba, but RV, number one, very few people know this. RV's an ECU graduate and, ele- and 
multiple letter winner at ECU. Um, and, he, and he coached uh, high school football at Rose as the head coach until I think the year before my, yeah, the year before my senior year at Rose. Um, but RV is a legend, a good friend of mine. I can pick up my phone and call him anytime, day or night, and he will answer. And the same holds true for everybody that's ever walked through that dugout. Yeah, and after I said that earlier, uh, I started second guessing myself. I was like, "Hang on," I said, "I'm pretty sure RV attended East Carolina," but uh, but yes, yeah, so you, you see RV um, at Clark Leclerc Stadium, at Dowdy Ficklin, at um, Williams Arena, Minji's Coliseum on a consistent basis, and uh, you know he he not only is a tremendous coach, but he, he clearly loves and supports the Pirates. And, he, you know, and he, and he looks after his, his guys. I mean, he, you once you are one of RV's boys, you are always one of RV's boys. So during your college years or, or young adulthood, you know, there uh, after graduation in the mid to late 80s, you know, what is obviously not a whole lot of success was had in the, the Baker years, but, you know, who, who were some of your um, the players that, maybe really stood out. I, I know uh, during the Baker, Baker years, a guy like a Vincent Smith, that was a tremendous linebacker that went on to an excellent NFL career. Um, and, yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you, I'll tell you over, uh, over any name. Um, I talked to a bunch of my fraternity brothers at high point in the driving down to Raleigh um, to go see the pirates play NC state and Carter Fickman. Um, no, I said Carter Fickman. Um, <laughs> I knew what you meant. <laughs> um, anyway, we went, we all went down to uh, to NC State for the for the ECU NC State game, and lo and behold, we won, and we, we blew them blew them out pretty. I mean, we beat them pretty good, and uh, I I don't think it was a blowout by any stretch, but it was a big it was a big ECU win, and we won. We won, you know, we won convincingly there at the end, and then our our fan base just went nuts, and we all sat there and just marveled at it. I was, I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't, I knew when we drove back from Raleigh to High Point that night. I was like, ooh, those NC State folks are going to be mad at us. And uh, it turned out Jim Valvano, who was the athletic director at the time, went very publicly condemned us and said we we're putting a more moratorium on playing the pirates uh all over some bushes but yeah uh, over I, some bushes i'll say over some bushes and bad behavior yeah and what was also well documented is that you know some of those individuals involved were what high school students there from the raleigh area and more, yeah, not, not even not even East Carolina students. You know, it's just like any story in the press these days. You know, you gotta you gotta kind of let it let it percolate for a while, and then you find out what really happened and what really you know. But that that was a scene that I, I will never ever forget. Yeah, it's it's certainly one of my earliest memories of pirate football, and I've talked about it before on the Sports Objective. 
and just how I, I was six years old and I remember my dad leaning over and saying, hey, uh, be prepared to to duck down and cover your head here in a minute because um, <laughs> these the, the states they they are going to be throwing they, bottles and stuff. Carter Finley was not a fun place to be that night. But um, not not fun. I mean, it was fun for us, but it was not fun leaving there. They right. were upset. They were really mad. They certainly were. And, um, you know, moving there into the 91 season, of course, that's been discussed, you know, and, and rightfully so by Pirate Nation. Um, so many excellent memories from that 11 and 1 ninth ranked uh, team. But uh, what specifically are, are your memories of that season? Well, I was. I was fortunate enough to uh, my my mom and dad had always been members of the pirate club, but at a, at a very uh, basic level. And my mom found out that you could not get tickets to the Peach Bowl unless you leveled up. And she she leveled up uh, so that we could get the Peach Bowl ticket package, and. Uh, I met them in Atlanta, and we walked. I remember the night before the game, we walked uh, through uh, Omni. I think it's called Omni Plaza, and we were walking through there, and uh, we passed a banner on the wall, and it said the NC State graduate who uh, designed this building welcomes you to the Peach Bowl and to Atlanta. And then you walked another 25, 30 feet and somebody put another banner up and said, the CEO of this building and owner of this building, who is an, a pilot graduate, welcomes you to the Peach Bowl and to Atlanta. And then, you know, what we saw unfold there in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, uh, there in Atlanta was you know, breathtaking. Um, one of my fondest memories I'll ever have of just complete and utter disbelief yet joy. Um, you know, seeing that field goal go to the right, first realizing that they were going to try to tie the game and walk out of there with a tie game. And then uh, that field goal goes, goes right. And uh, the rest is, as they say, history, but what a, what an amazing uh, set of circumstances. You talk about buildings in Atlanta. Uh, I recall going to the Peach Bowl Parade, and I guess I was, what, 10 at the time, and I remember a state fan that was probably 10 floors up or something in one of the hotels right there. He was on uh, in a balcony or out of a window uh, through a, a cheeseburger, and it landed right in the middle of the Marching Pirates, and because I just remember my dad getting fired up about it. Yeah, I, I bet Gary can. Gary, I, I can get. I can guess Gary had his mad on about that. Yeah, and you know he just leaned over to me. He said, "Man, I want to whip their butts or something to that effect." <laughs> um, probably censored that a little bit. Uh, so, you know, throughout the '90s, Pirates so much success under Coach Steve Logan. Uh, obviously, Jeff Connors um, for a decade there, uh, who would later have a second stint as strength and conditioning coach. 
but um, you developed a relationship. You mentioned your background with the military, uh, and that led you, I believe, that's how you initiated that relationship with Jeff Connors and Steve Logan. So you know, tell us what you can. Obviously, certain things you you cannot um, you know bring to the air, but uh, you know the things that you can divulge. You know, what can you tell yeah, so- us about, about some of those special times on? Um, Friday nights and uh, game days with Coach Logan and then uh, Jeff Jeff Connors and those Pirate teams. Oh, the legendary pregame pregame meetings. Um, so I, I joined the military uh, to try to get. Oh, I was literally just joining to try to get um, college tuition taken care of, and uh, wanted to get back to wanted to get back to East Carolina, get back home, and. Uh, Never expected to enjoy the Army, uh, but very quickly I realized I had, an, I had a new life and a new career, a second chance, if you will. Um, and uh, after a couple of years enlisted, uh, I, I, was a, I was a young sergeant and uh, my, my, I was driving for the regimental commander. Um, when he opened a file and he said, he says, Hey, Earnhardt, do you, you realize you have 131 college credit hours, but no degree. And I said, yes, sir. I totally understand that. And he said, uh, he said, you know, I can, we can fix that and get you and you can come back into the army as an officer. And, uh, anyway, uh, one thing led to another and they said, uh, you've been approved and you can go back. You can go back to school and get your degree. And I uh, sat down with the career counselor, and the career counselor said, so where do you want to go to school? And I asked him, I said, well, I, I just pulled it. I pulled it out of thin air. I said, what about East Carolina? And he looks in the book, and this is a little bit before computers had taken over our world. Uh, he looks in the book, and he says, East Carolina University. There it is right here. You, and they need, And they need cadets. Uh, so you can go, and I joined the ECROTC program, and we <clears throat> proudly, in 1993, was the first time we uh, we went down to Fort Bragg and we drew some purple smoke out of the ammunition depot, um, the ammo supply point at Fort Bragg, and we brought it back and we we set off the purple smoke at the at the games from 93, 94, 95. Um, and through that purple smoke, I met Steve Logan. Uh, we had several interesting conversations about the, um, makeup of that smoke. And Steve was, Steve was convinced it was toxic. Uh, but it's, it's really just, um, it's violent signal smoke and it's probably not good to breathe. Uh, especially if you're a player in that, in that, uh, that old ship, that wooden ship hole. But we had that, we had that smoke bellowing, and the pirates ran through it, and they started playing purple haze. And uh, that, that was sort of the way we. That was the way Logan and I. That was the way Logan and I met, and we kept in touch and stayed in touch. And in 1996, I was a second lieutenant at Fort Bragg. And uh, it's 96, no, uh, anyway, kept, kept in touch and 
I was introduced to uh, to our our good friend, our good friend, the strength coach, Coach Jeff Connors. And Jeff came down and brought some of the players, and we put them through the nasty Nick at Fort Bragg, the, the Special Forces uh, obstacle course. And that led to an invitation for us to come up and start uh, taking a role in the in the night before game meetings, uh, you know, before the players went down for the night. And I would, you know, so Jeff would Jeff would call, and I would grab a few friends, a few comrades uh, from from work, and we would we would have a theme each week, and we would go up and do the do the pregame. Uh, motivational talk for Jeff, for Jeff. And uh, of course, every time I was, every time we were there doing it, um, I would look over, you know, to my left at the wall and there would be Steve Logan crouched down in that Steve Logan crouch, listening to every word you said (laughs) (laughs) and just looking at you like, don't you get me in trouble. But uh, one, one night that you've, you've heard about, uh, I brought a good buddy of mine who uh, got the whole room completely silent and started talking about, uh, you know, what it means to, what it means to trust the guy on your right and the guy on your left. And he got down into the weeds on it for a little, you know, for a little while. And while he was telling that story about trusting the guy to your right and the guy to your left and the guy behind you and the guy in front of you, uh, I had gone outside and set off a grenade simulator in the parking lot. And uh, Jeff Connors had opened the door just enough so that, that the full effect of that grenade simulator came through the room. Well, it set off every car alarm in the parking lot. But uh, it made the entire football it made the entire football team jump. And uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun doing that. And it, it, you know, that, that was something that went on and on for a couple of years, Bubba, until about 1999, 2000 is about when that stopped. Right. Um, a couple things. And you're going back to the origin of the Purple Haze entrance. Um, that's what I was thinking, that it was right there uh, early on in the Logan years, because I, I recall you know, during the. Yeah, 1993. Okay. Uh, I I recall during the Peach Bowl season and then even Coach Logan's first season in 92 as head coach that he was – or that that team, rather, you know, entered the stadium to the old Gary Glitters Rock and Roll Part 2 in the the Air Aid Siren. And then, um, you know, that song was still played at the stadium, but, uh, you know, the, the Purple Haze entrance was perfect. And it's funny you brought up the effects of the smoke and you having conversations with Steve Logan about that because my dad and I and some other fans were jokingly saying, you know, when we get off to slow starts at home, but then end up, you know, playing well later on in the game that we must've been held too much purple haze. <laughs> nah, I think the more of that stuff you get in, you the better you play. <laughs> but anybody that's been down near the Murphy center, um, as it became in, you know, built in 2002, but uh, or prior to that, when when you just had an open end zone down there, and when the team would walk over from Ward, and anyone who's been there when when the Purple Haze is 
is set off or, or, you know, just sitting on that side of the stadium where the wind will blow it your direction. Uh, you definitely can imagine what it would be like to be down there in the middle of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a I mean, I, I don't have any words for it, but standing there when the, you know, when the, the they used to have a plank that they would drop or a door that would drop on that uh, wooden ship. Yeah. And uh, during the, the players, whole, the players whole would come out, but, but the noise and the crowd noise and the, you know, the, just the stadium rocking like it does. Uh, it, it just sends chill bumps, you know, just talking about it. And, uh, you know, to have had a part in that and to have played a role in that, uh, especially, you know, you know, I, I've, I actually, when I, when I told you we could pull this call off, I started thinking about it. And I, I vividly remember one day uh, after practice, I, I had been over, I, I don't even remember why I was in Greenville, but I, I was in Greenville and I w- went to practice and I, I was watching the game or watching practice. And after practice, I walked back towards the ward building and Steve Logan was sitting on the, uh, on the concrete wall right outside the locker room door. And he and I struck up a conversation and, um, you know, one of the things he said, Bubba, that stands out to me to this day is he says, he says, this, this, what we're doing here is not much different than what the army's doing with you. And that stuck in my, you know, I, I, of course I had to ask questions and I said, what, you know, I, I wanted to know more. And he said, these kids that you're watching walk off this practice field these are the ones nobody wanted. These are the young men nobody wanted, but we wanted them. And we, you know, we, we fed them, we trained them, we coached them, and we turned them into what we want. And he said, these, he said, most of these kids, if it weren't for East Carolina, wouldn't ever had a chance. And I leaned back against the wall and I looked at him and I said, if it weren't for East Carolina, I wouldn't have had a chance. And, uh, he said, you see, that's exactly what I meant. And that has stuck with me to this day. Uh, I actually thought about it long and hard this morning, uh, remembering that conversation. Yeah, I've heard Coach Logan, uh, when he was on with Jeff Connors on Absolute Empowerment last year, uh, he told a similar story about uh, Lamont Burns and just his development after you know, just seeing him play at – Greensboro Page High School, I believe it was, and adding all that weight uh, to his big frame um, for someone who was very athletic and then uh, becoming an NFL offensive tackle. And then you had um, a guy like Mitchell Galloway who was very very light uh, coming out of Marlboro High School down in South Carolina in Bennettsville. And uh, he developed into what he was. And Coach Connors packed on. 30 or 40 pounds on the Mitch and, you know, man, he, man, he could run. He was right there, um, right there with a, the likes of a, a Keaton Mitchell from a speed standpoint. Yeah. That, you know, that was a team that could impose its will. Uh, once, once Connor's program and Logan uh, had built that, built that program the way they wanted it. Uh, you know, if you remember the defense, Jeff Carr, another great friend of mine, 
the um, Matt Semenza. They were a deep, they were a, they were a football team that could impose their will, and and they could just decide you're not gonna you're not gonna beat us today. Yeah, they really were, and um, you talk about Jeff Carr, uh, you know, so so many great pirate linebackers down through the years. Um, Pernell oh, Griffin. Oh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff will be listening to this. I, I expect several phone calls in the very near future. <laughs> in, intentional name drop, but at the same time, um, well deserved and much deserved. But. Um, couple more questions about pirate football and then we'll shift over and discuss a couple other topics and like pirate baseball and then also the pirate club and fundraising but as it pertains to the pirate football uh, you know do you have I, I know I talked about during your childhood but you know all time you know who are your top two or three or maybe maybe even say your Mount Rushmore your top four uh, favorite ECU football players well, David David Garrard would be pretty high up on that list. Uh, David Garrard, Jeff Jeff Carr. Uh, but I have to I have to kind of go back and say Eddie, the the late Eddie Hicks. Uh, Eddie Hicks has been a friend of my family for a long time. My daughter uh, met Eddie at her first pirate football game, and he walked up behind us in the line to go in the game. And he introduced himself to my daughter as she was six, I believe. And over the last several years, he, she got a jersey a year with Eddie Hicks's name on the back of it and either Pirates or Vikings, uh, I'm sorry, Pirates or Giants on the front. So Eddie Hicks would be on my Mount Rushmore. He, you know, he was just give the ball to Eddie Hicks and let him do it. But um, yeah, I would say David Garrard, um, Jeff, pr primarily Jeff, because, you know, Jeff was one of those guys that it wasn't going to work. It wasn't supposed to pan out and Jeff made it pan out. Um, Luke Fisher sticks out in my head, but, uh, you, you, you know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of on the spot. Can you tell? No, no. Those are those are responses. Uh, excellent choices, obviously. Um, you know, Luke Fisher. Um, you know, he's he's been very good to us here on this show. I appreciate him coming on a couple of times, and uh, you know, he, he's undoubtedly one of my favorite players. I think back to, um, I guess that 1990 season had the opportunity to go into the locker room. Uh, Ken Burnett. I met him down at. North Myrtle Beach earlier that summer as a as a nine-year-old and and he took me in to meet Jeff Blake and I, I believe I got to meet Luke and also Tom Scott and well, several Jeff, other, uh, several yeah, other guys you, after that season opener against La Tech. Since you brought it up, Jeff Blake goes on the Mount Rushmore. He's got to. Yeah. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll give you two mountains. <laughs> How about just give me two, give me two T. Well, they, they can have Mount Rushmore. I'll take Teachers Hole. Yeah, it's it's hard hard to narrow it down to to four. My wife and I were just sitting out out here uh, at at Ocracoke talking about we ought. If you remember the old gravestones that Logan used to put in the on the practice field 
every time yes. they would knock off somebody ranked. I believe they called I've, it boot, boot Hill or something like that. Boot, boot Hill, yep. That's exactly what they did. Uh, but wouldn't it be fun to go to Teach's Hole off right there on, in Ocracoke and and just get some get, get get some pieces get you know get some tombstones and just start putting them up out there. That way, when everybody comes to visit Ocracoke and they roll up and see those tombstones, they're trying to figure out what what in the hell it means. And that's something that through the years, uh, you know, the video intro, um, very intrigued to see what it will be this year. I've heard it's going to be sort of a tribute to some of the videos from years past. Um, it'll be interesting to see if something like that's incorporated. You know, the videos where you had the, the pirate ship coming up the Tar River and, and letting, the letting the team off. Uh, I, I think that it, based on some photos circulating on social media, uh, I think it will be something to that effect. Can't wait to see it. Jared Ozimek and his team, um, creative team with ECU football, do an excellent job. Uh, final thing I have for you on the on the football front is uh, you talk about attending certain games. You you referenced the Peach Bowl, but you know, what's a, a favorite away trip or, or two that you remember? You know, what are some of the road games that you've traveled uh, to? Peach Bowl's at the top of my list. Uh, the galleryfurniture.com bowl. Uh, the Mobile, Alabama, I think it was called the Mobile, Alabama Bowl. Uh, drove, yeah. from Fort Sil drove from Fort Sill, Oklahoma uh, to, be, to be at that game and linked up with some friends of mine. Um, Steve Jones was one of them, and Kenny Strickland from Fayetteville was another. And some, somehow in the midst of that game, uh, I had ended up, I ended up on the field next to, next to Jeff Connors and Terry Tillman. And when I got back up uh, at the end of the game, uh, the gang from Fayetteville that I linked up with in, there in Mobile was gone. And I walked out in the car and the car was gone and I was left in Mobile, Alabama with no wheels and no cell phone. And uh, some some pirates from Roanoke Rapids swooped down and and saved me. And well, they, they let me they gave me a ride and we went out to eat. We played pool until two o'clock in the morning and had a big old time. And turns out we were tailgate neighbors uh, at every ECU game uh, for the past eight nine years now. So we we. We have enjoyed our Roanoke Rapids connection through that game. And as far as your, your tailgate location, and that made me think one, one more uh, football-related question. Um, you're in the Elmhurst area, correct? Correct. So in addition to being a football season ticket holder and Pirate Club member for years, I know you're also a season ticket holder for uh, East Carolina baseball. Um such a proud tradition, but it's certainly gone to another level under Cliff Godwin. And uh, I know in the last year or two, uh, you've really adopted the the jungle life um, and been out there with some excellent pirates uh, that uh, yeah, guys like Brian Dillard, Jerry Plummer, yeah. etc. As you know, Bubba, I sat I sat in the bleachers for the longest time, and then finally uh, Rick Giles, Ryder's dad. Uh, coaxed me into going out to the jungle and 
and uh, diving in for a minute. And I turned around and went back to my chair and told my wife, I said, I'll see you after the game. I'm going back. <laughs> and, uh, well, I, I, you know, that, that's, that, that jungle family is such a special place, um, such a special group of people. And, uh, you know, every one of them has a pirate story to share. And, and you know, the funny thing is now, you know, we keep up with each other year round. We, uh, we, link, we link up during football season. We link up during basketball season, as you know. And we link up right back there in the jungle. Uh, and, um, you know, it got, it's, it's bitten me so bad that I, I'm, 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 I'm proud to say I, I have, I'm an owner of a, my own megaphone that I have painted and uh, decorated myself. And so I take, I take a position right there with the left field megaphones and love it. Love every second of it. Yeah, right after you purchased that, that megaphone, uh, didn't you say, was it Brian or Jared or perhaps both that, that gave you a little good-natured ribbing about, uh, yeah, hey. Jared, Jared, Jared put me on double secret probation. Yeah. Gave me, gave me one week to return to the jungle with a painted megaphone. Double secret probation, just like the, the yep. Delta House in it, in, yep. uh, in, in Animal House. But um, obviously, baseball, so many more games. But um, what are uh, what are some of your top memories there? You know, f favorite games, favorite players, etc. Oh boy, I, I, I know um, I'm, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but let me just say that the whole last. The whole last six years, it's a blur. Uh, at the same time, and and not for the reason you might think it's a blur, uh, but it, you know, they they run together. I mean, these those boys. Very few people know that those boys aren't getting the the scholarship money that everybody thinks they're getting. Uh, and in many cases their families are only getting a third of their tuition and, and room and board. And uh, yet they still, they still come from all over the country to play for Cliff Godwin and they come to play and be a, and be a pirate. And then many of them don't ever leave. They, they, they come back. And uh, I think that's, you know, that's why, you know, I, I am bullish on uh, Omaha. We're going to Omaha. It's just a matter of time. It'll happen. Uh, I just hope I'm there for it. But you, you asked about uh, special trips. I would I would rank uh, I would rank our joint trip to Charlottesville this past year pretty high up there. Uh, you know, with the poster boards and the megaphone and the makeshift megaphones. This is not uh, a megaphone. Yeah, uh, we had to. We had to write on the side of it. This is not a megaphone, so that we wouldn't get tossed out of the stadium. But uh, that one and uh, life harrowing experience going out to Nashville. Uh, my wife and daughter and I took off that year to go to to go to Nashville and see the uh, super regional there at, at uh, Vanderbilt. And that night, got involved in a. a Bad collision on I-40, girl hydroplane smashed right into us. And uh, what I thought was pretty amusing was all the ECU fans 
who were behind that traffic jam that we caused on 40 because of the accident. We're all raising hells and we don't know when we're going to get to Nashville because they've got I 40 blocked off. And I'm like, if they only knew it was me. <clears throat> but we, uh, we managed to rent a car in Statesville and made, we didn't make the first game, but we made the second game. Uh, that was, that was pretty memorable. I wish we could have won one of the one. If we'd have won one of those games, I'm pretty sure we'd have won the second. We, we would have won, we would have won the super that year. Uh, there was no way Vanderbilt was going to beat us, uh, you know, beat us the second time if we won one of them. Right. Yeah, we just had to – that was my then, mindset going in, and, you know, against Lighter and Rocker. You had to find a way to get one of those. And, uh, you know, I think probably my number one – probably my number one memory right now from the past couple of years uh, was uh, two seasons back when we were playing Virginia at home uh, in the, in the regional. And I, I was up, I was, you know, perched against the fence in left field and I turned around and uh, the entire football coaching staff and most of the basketball coaching staff were all standing directly behind me and uh, got to, got to, chat and meet with them and became friends with Mike Houston. And it's, uh, that was a pretty special night. Yeah. I recall seeing those pictures of coach Houston and his family out there in the, the jungle. And, you know, his sons were enjoying getting on the megaphone as was Keaton Mitchell. Uh, yep. ha- hashtag get gone, uh, as he was saying, uh, for a home run, but, uh, Wanted to touch on pirate basketball a little bit as well. I know in the last year or two, uh, we attended a couple games together and just throughout the course of those games and on the, the drive down, uh, we were talking about the potential for Williams Arena Minchie's Coliseum and and how, you know, if we can just we find a way to uh, put a consistent winner on the court, uh, as we saw back during the CIT run, Pirate Nation will get behind it and uh, – when Minji's is rocking, uh, it's it's about as tough as to play uh, a toughest place to play. Excuse me, as anywhere in the country. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a long time since we could be excited about uh, ECU men's basketball, right? and and for that matter, women's basketball. Uh, but there's every, in my just my humble opinion, uh, the the future's never been brighter. Uh, I, 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 in my mind, I hope and pray that we can turn Williams Arena into something that uh, would rival uh, Cameron Indoor. Uh, you know, it's it, the size, the 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 way the the way the room's set up. Uh, it, East East Carolina, and and if you if you just sit there and watch the jungle during a baseball game, there is no reason we can't turn that in, turn that basketball arena into that same kind of. Uh, Emotional roller coaster for the opponent. Undoubtedly, I, mean, I remember several opposing coaches um, you know, just ready to pull their hair out on um, Mick Cronin when he was at Cincinnati, and of course now at UCLA. And uh, I remember, um, obviously, Tom Crean, Rick Pitino, uh, Bob Huggins, even 
even though I, I don't think we ever, ever beat the Bearcats when Huggins was there and gave them several scares on when they were highly ranked. But, uh, yeah, Minji's can definitely have that effect. And I, I remember Mac McCarthy, after we did defeat NC State back in 2007, 2008 season, when Coach Mac said it, it was deafening in here. Well, there's no reason it can't be on a routine basis. Uh, all we need is the, the kids to get excited about it. Yep. And, um, and our fans. Sorry about the noise. No problem. Uh, final thing for you, Tom, you know, as we wrap this up. We've discussed this. Um, you know, we've pretty much beat a dead horse over the, over the last few weeks uh, as it pertains to fundraising on the sports objective and you know, just the importance of joining the Pirate Club and giving to Team Boneyard, you know, uh, contributing to the Pirates Unite Capital Campaign with the indoor practice facility and the baseball ops building down the left field line at Clark LeClaire. But uh, you know, w what would be your message as someone who um, does contribute to the Pirate Club and is a season ticket holder in multiple sports and what would your message be to um, folks out there who perhaps have never been a Pirate Club member or were in the past but are not currently on board? Well, first of all, I, I would ask them what's wrong with them. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, I think the message is, is pretty is pretty straightforward, Bubba. And that is that you know we have we are we are all passionate about our school uh, about. Uh, about being pirates and we know that you know to be a pirate and to be to be a part of a successful program there's things we're going to have to do and we're going to have to do it uh, harder and more uh, vociferously than anybody else because we're not getting the help that the larger the larger institutions and the larger conferences are going to get uh, it's going to be a scratch and claw event, and everybody that's associated with East Carolina needs to know that. And, you know, it, it kind of gets back to the old uh, Steve Logan, Jeff Connors uh, thing about, well, we'll, we'll, take the, we'll take the leftovers. But we'll, what we'll do is we'll lock them in the weight room and throw sandwiches under the door until they get big, and then we'll turn them into a football team. But that's the same for every single sport, and they can't do it without us. There's just no way they can do it without us. And you know, I, I have my own personal feelings about the NIL and the and the you know and you know I'm I'm just like everybody else. I hate it. I can't stand that we that you know it's gotten to this. I understand what the Supreme Court said, uh, and I understand the point. But it's it's completely been uh, it's been installed out of in an out of control manner, and we just got you know we're we're pirates we got to deal with it. Uh, I mean I'm sitting here at Teach's Hole, Ocracoke. You have to deal with it, and uh, you have to fight your way through it. And then when they kill you, you swim around the boat three times without your head. <laughs> but. Uh, no, Bubba, in all, in all seriousness, it takes, it's going to take everything we can give and then some. And that's just the way I look at it. 
and you know i think it's incumbent upon us the, the ones of us that are you know that are enjoying uh this this you know this place and time of the pirate program uh, you know recruit some more everybody knows a dad or a mom uh who has sent adult you know let me say everybody knows parents who have sent a kid to east carolina and then come to a couple games while their kid was in school and they still follow the pirates but you could easily tap back into that passion and you know get them to join and once they join and once they start coming then you know it just builds and builds and builds and and the other thing i would remind all the pirate faithful is at clemson used to mean i pay 30 a year it may have even been i pay 20 a year but it was i believe it actually i believe it actually started off at 10 in 10 a year uh, and and but, but, you know, but look, any, anyway look, your, your point's true look at what that has become i mean clemson is a national powerhouse and uh yeah they had some advantages we don't have but uh you know and you and i and kyle have talked about this till we're blue in the face and you keep saying beat a dead horse well that we can't let that horse die we we that horses might be on life support but we got to keep beating it because the 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 ability to support these, the ability to support these teams, and the, these young men and young women, uh, is crucial. And you know, you look at you look at the you look at some of the pirate graduates that, that have made it. There, you know, there's no doubt uh, that Miles Berry would never have had the chance that he's got right now. Miles Berry is uh, one of those one of those young men that wasn't going to make it. But because of the Pirate Club and because of uh, East Carolina, he's able to make it, and uh, he's going to be—he's uh, going to be one of those success stories that we all sit back and go, "I'm so proud he's a Pirate." But there's there's a bunch of them, and you know we could we could do a whole show just on the those kids that you know their their dreams weren't going to weren't going to become reality except for the Pirates. And the pirates, the pirates turn their life around. So, with the 2023 season uh, beginning a little less than a week from now, up at Michigan, and then you have challenging games against Marshall at home, and then travel to App State. Um, we'll wrap with this. So, you know, what what are your thoughts on this 2023 20, team entering year five of Mike Houston? It starts and ends with the quarterback. I don't. I don't. I don't want to sound like Steve Logan, but if uh, you know, if if I, and I, I don't have a. I don't have a horse in the in the race. But if it's Mason Garcia, then it's Mason Garcia, and you know, the fastest, the faster he can get uh, up to speed with the game and the way the game's played, because we all know um, he's only had a he's only had a few live snaps in in game situations, and it, you know, he had the Navy game. Couple of years ago, but uh, once the, once once he gets his once he gets his rhythm and once he gets everything going, I think we're probably looking at um, seven and four, eight and three this year. I think we're gonna we're gonna stump our toe, uh, you know, more than once. Uh, but you know, who knows? 
you know, we come out, we come out of week one, uh, fairly healthy. And, uh, maybe we go down there and give Michigan a, a scare or, or a terror. And, uh, we see where it goes from there. Um, I know I'm, I know I'm sure, sure looking forward to it. Really appreciate an hour of your time this afternoon. Uh, safe travels to you and your family as you're headed home from Teachers Hole in Ocracoke, there on the Outer Banks. But I've got um, your sand. I'm bringing you some sand. I appreciate that. Uh, but um, yeah, look forward to catching up with you for that Marshall home game. And uh, you know, Pirate Nation, uh, you've been listening to a Pirate's Life for me here on the Sports Objective. Um, be sure to follow us on X at the Sports OBJ on Instagram and TikTok at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. But for Tom Earnhardt, I'm Bob Rosenbaum. You've been watching and listening to, again, a Pirates Life for me here on the Sports Objective. Have a great one, everyone. And as always, go Pirates. Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Yeah, yeah, my heart is purple and gold.